Remember the passion you felt doing that particular thing you always loved to do when you were a kid? Whether it was to laugh or to love or to explore, to play or create. Those passions weren't just you being a kid. They were gifts of clarity. They're the desires of your heart authentically expressed. Hi, I'm Courtney Cole, and this is the Love Freak Podcast, where we remember who we really are and what we've come to this planet to create. It's here we make a choice, love or fear. It's here we choose to vibrationally realign ourselves with the truth of our essence, love. 528 hertz, the love frequency, which therefore allows us to realign with conscious healing, authenticity, and creativity. Don't freak out. This is your true nature. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Love Freak Podcast. I am here with a longtime friend of mine, Alex Masters. She is an incredibly talented singer-songwriter and a ridiculous ridiculously amazing mother you guys like seriously oh my gosh and one of the kindest souls that you really will ever meet I'm not even kidding um so I'm so excited to have her here for a variety of different reasons but one in particular is that I am really really excited for her to talk about the uncovering of this much deeper part of herself that she's found through the discovery of conscious parenting or respectful parenting I think it's called a lot of many different things which I know she'll get into Um, but this whole concept has not only changed her perspective of her reality and how she raises her children but it's also really affected her creative journey and not just creative journey as far as like writing songs but really in creating her experience um the way she parents her children you guys is so beautiful and it's led her to her own healing and reparenting of herself Um, so for all you parents out there I guarantee you this is going to be something that you're going to find incredibly inspiring and something that you could probably apply to you know raising your own children but if you're not a parent like me um, I am so fascinated by this whole concept because it's offered me the ability to reparent myself so I want you to listen to this episode Um, I want to challenge you to keep your inner child in mind because So often we learn behaviors growing up that don't always serve our highest potential. And in our healing process, we have to relearn behaviors that do serve us and that get us back to what's true and what's expansive. We have to reparent ourselves, right? Um, And that doesn't mean that we, we didn't have amazing parents. Sometimes it just means we get caught up in this long history of pain and trauma that we take on as our own or that's passed down to us from people that are really doing their absolute best based off of what they've been taught, what they've experienced. Um, But whether or not you had good or bad parents, realizing that everyone is doing the best they can based off of their experience and what they've been taught is a way for us to remain in compassion towards potentially toxic parent relationships um, or circumstances. So this is actually going to be part one of a two-part series with Alex because we literally could sit and talk about this stuff all day long. Like I said, she's one of my dearest friends. And I really think that 
these concepts and these conversations are so important because they offer amazing tools that we can apply to our process of reparenting and healing ourselves. So I'm going to stop talking now. And without further ado, this is my friend, Alex Masters. Alex, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored and excited. Absolutely. I just love you and I'm just thankful that you would have me on here. Oh my gosh. Well, the the love is mutual. And, you know, Alex and I kind of go way, way back. Um, We went to college together in Nashville at Belmont University and we both studied um, music. And so we kind of discovered ourselves together in that musical realm and kind of how we wanted to move forward in the music industry. And we actually spent a lot of time learning guitar together. I remember sitting in your apartment being like, okay, how do you play an E chord? How do you play a G chord? And teaching each other some of that stuff. Yes, we did. That was so much fun. Whenever (laughs) one of us learned a new chord, we were so excited to show the other person like, look at this one. (laughs) I know. And that's so funny. And then it's just interesting to see, you know, kind of where life has has taken us since then. And, you know, we both have stuck it out in the music world. And that's been really, really cool to see. Um, So, Alex, can you tell us a little bit about your background and kind of like what led you to Nashville and kind of to where you are now? Yes, um, I grew up on a little farm in Berryville, Virginia, and I just sang my whole life and wrote songs from the time I was four years old. And so when it came time to go to college, my mom found Belmont, which was in Nashville, and we knew that that was the music city. So we came and toured it and fell in love. And so I ended up going to Belmont and you know where we met and fell in love with Nashville and how can you not <laughs> I know it's awesome and Belmont I don't know a lot of people may not know this but it's literally across the street from Music Row which is where a lot of the publishing companies and record labels and all of the music businesses are located so you can't get much closer proximity wise right than right in Belmont. um So yeah, I just, I love that. That's kind of my background. I have two younger sisters, um, two parents that I love so much. I have a stepdad now and my mom and stepdad live an hour west of us in Dixon, Tennessee. And then my dad travels the country in his camper and his trailer, which is super fun. That's so amazing. That's (laughs) like the life. It is. And then my two younger sisters are in Virginia still and just pursuing their passions and love and life and um, our parents got divorced when I was in eighth grade and so I'm sure that's something we might get into yeah but that's kind of where I came from and now I'm married we've been married almost well we've been married 10 years 10 and a half years now and we have and your husband is Spencer and you guys you guys met at Belmont yes we yeah, met at Belmont, started dating. It was my first semester freshman year, and he was a sophomore transfer. And we met, started dating. He moved back to Minnesota, which is where he was living at the time because he was a professional snowboarder at the time. Wow. Um, to keep snowboarding. And we did long distance for three years 
I was in Nashville, he was in Minnesota. And then at the end of that three years, we got married. And we now have two little kids. Camper is three years old. He is amazing, full of energy. And Portland, she is a year old. And she's the sweetest, happiest little pumpkin. So we are very thankful for the two of them. And we are just so thankful for where we're at and where we live and that we both get to pursue our passions in life. Ah, that's so incredible. So before you were a mother, you were, you know, really dedicating your life to to music. That was kind of what you, you were doing. And now you're a mother and you're still writing music and you're still, you know, diving into creative endeavors. Like how do you balance the two and how have you noticed them going kind of hand in hand? It's, that's a really great question. I had somebody in the music industry that I really respect tell me when I was pregnant, she said, you just don't know what your heart's going to do once your baby's born. Wow. She's like, you, I would hold off on signing another publishing deal until that happens. I was kind of like about to leave the one publishing deal I was in and thinking about right. signing another one. And she's like, I would wait because you just never know. Like she had a sister who swore she would never be a stay at home mom and was like completely dedicated to her job, which was being a doctor. And then she had her kids and like, just literally could not leave them. And that mm. became her passion. Sure. And so since she had witnessed something like that firsthand, she's like, if I was you, like, I would just wait and then just like, see where your heart is at. And I am forever grateful for that advice because it was such, it was just great for me because I had a camper and I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm so thankful I didn't send another deal because I don't want someone else expecting things of me or controlling my schedule with my family and my life because yeah. like I want to choose when I'm going to be with them and how much I want to be with him. And, and I want to be the one with him the majority of the time, not someone else. And that, that's not the same for everybody, but that's just what happened to my heart when I had him. Of so course, for sure. me, what it ended up looking like is a lot heavier on the mom side and a lot lighter on the songwriting side mm -hmm. for that time being. And it still is that way. I definitely dedicate a lot more time. I mean, it's 24 seven, but, but a lot more time feet on the ground in motherhood than I do in songwriting. But what's really cool about it is that the depth and the lessons and the life I've lived and learned from becoming a mother has made me that much better of a songwriter. So 100%. That it's so clear. Mm -hmm. It's so clear. And just knowing you being your friend and hearing some of the stuff you've written, you know, it seems like your whole life has just kind of evolved into this whole other thing that was so much greater than just what you were musically or not not that you weren't great musically but it it all kind of has come together and said like made alex masters this whole dimension like multi-dimensional amazing creator and mm -hmm. it's just like that was something that had to happen for some of this stuff to open up in you which i think is 
unbelievably incredible. Oh, well, thanks. Yes, because that's I, true. Yeah. Well, and you look at a lot of people, you know, and, and I've been in that boat too, where it's like, I'm, I'm scared to have kids or I'm scared to move forward with that because I'm scared of what that's going to do for my career and that mentality. And, you know, sometimes that's, you know, I, I don't know if I'm going to have kids or whatever, but maybe I will, maybe I won't, but like just not being afraid of it because it does seem to just open you up to a whole new level of, of you. Yes. It, it 100% does. Like if I, (laughs) if I hadn't, had kids at this point it's I definitely wouldn't be I mean there's nothing in the world that's made me grow quicker and deeper than Mm. motherhood has and it's because our kids are like mirrors and they're they will reflect back anything that's unresolved in us Mm. and and so it forces us if we're willing to look in the mirror and say, Oh, wow. Like that's a wound that I didn't know was still there that I need to heal. And so becoming a mother has pushed me into all these places that I didn't know were still unhealed. And because of that, the songs that come from that are out of this world. Like, cause I would have never gone there necessarily. And some people do like, I feel like you became aware of conscious living and stuff in your own route. But for me, it took becoming a mom to go there and find those places. And Um, that's, that's such an incredible point too, is just like all of our journeys, they do and can look so different, but all lead us to like this whole new stage of unfolding within ourselves and I think that is so incredibly amazing and you have this one song in particular that you released not too long ago called California that was actually written about um your little angel baby um that I feel like is something in you that just ripped you apart Mm -hmm. in more ways than one which I know was incredibly painful but then how kind of music kind of came to your rescue and in a way for you to kind of process and heal. Um, can you talk about some of that? If, if would, you feel comfortable. Yes. yes, I would love to. I, so California was our first baby, our, our first pregnancy. And um, that was obviously a really hard loss, but the way for me as a songwriter to with that was to write a song and I never ever planned on sharing it or releasing it but then a couple of my other friends who had been through similar things I sent the song to and they said this is so healing for me that you have to share this with the world like there's just no way you can't because it could help so many parents out there who have lost their kids And I was like, okay, (laughs) it took a lot of bravery. And, but I decided to just go for it because I feel like there's just something about the most honest art and the deepest, truest part of ourselves. When we create from that place, it touches people there. It touches them in their deepest, Mm. truest selves. Um, and That's so such a beautiful point. Yes. Thanks. So it ended up 
and it still I still get messages about it probably every week of you know a new family who's unfortunately lost a baby somehow someone told them about the song and it it really helped them and for me it, it was it's beautiful to see how my pain and experience can the way that I helped heal myself can help bring a little bit of healing to someone else. And yeah. And it's interesting too, that, you know, like I've, I, I talk a lot about conscious healing and you know, how when we heal ourselves, you know, it, it just kind of strips back some of those layers of false beliefs or, or, you know, old programming or whatever, so that we can live our fullest, um, creative expression and something that I, I noticed that you did through this is that you were writing about the healing yeah. you know it's not like you're writing from a place like oh I'm healed from this I'm in my healing I'm yeah. healing from this and I'm writing about it and so many people are in that place where they're in the process and and it might look different than yours but you know, they're in their process and that speaks to them on such a deep level. And so it's such a gift that you would not hide from that story and hide in your pain, but that you instead share it and you give so much more life and healing to people. So thank you so much for doing that. Um, it's so beautiful. If you guys haven't heard it, Go to Spotify or iTunes now and check out her song, California, which she actually, her little baby, her little angel baby, um, that's, that's, that's her name. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's pretty incredible. So, um, yeah, anyway, go check that out. And Alex, that leads me to my next thing that you kind of touched on a little bit too, but you, in this pro this healing process for you and this whole journey, it led you to this whole thing called conscious parenting that when you posted about it, I instantly was like, tell me more. Like it was because I, I've been in this phase of just conscious living in general and I, I wanted to know more. I related so much to what you were talking about just from, you know, having mirrors in my life, relationships in my life where they show me who I am and what I need, to, the, the parts of my soul that I need to heal. And I can only imagine what that does in the parenting realm. So can you just tell us a little bit what conscious parenting is and how it kind of helps you, but also expands the consciousness of your, your children? Yes. So conscious parenting is, can be called so many different things. It's like conscious parenting, respectful parenting, gentle parenting, positive parenting, positive discipline. There's kind of all these different terms that people use, but from what I've learned and read and studied, it's all basically the same thing and the same sure. idea. Um, and there's, there's so many incredible facets of it all um, that I could talk for hours. But um, one of the things that, one of the first things I learned about it, like you're saying, is that the people around you who are closest to you, if there are any unhealed parts of you, they're gonna come out mm -hmm. around those people, the people you feel the safest with. And and so when you have kids, it's a uh, 24 seven, <laughs> there's zero breaks. And it's, <laughs> a, uh, it's a constant 
I guess you could almost say pressure. Like it's just a constant feeling of, okay, if I don't figure this out for myself, then it's not just going to go away. So, and it could potentially affect your kids. Exactly. Affect them. It can affect our relationship in a negative way. Um, And so I'm trying to think of a specific, almost example of something that could play out. Um, One, one thing could be one of the things that bothers me the most triggers me the most is when our oldest son hurts our youngest daughter. And, and for me, that was one of the things that could just get to my core, like shake me. And I would lose almost, I could lose self-control. I would lose my calmness. I would lose the Mm. peace that I want to be carrying and sharing with them all the time. And so for me, that looked like I had to go outside myself and say, okay, I see that you feel upset right now. And that makes sense because you're seeing a bigger person hurt someone who's weaker and more vulnerable. And so where in your life have you experienced that? And so I flash back to my life and it could almost just make me start crying just talking about it now because it's like there were so many times in my life growing up where I felt like I had nobody to stand up for me. And so that's why that's such a trigger for me is because when I see him hurt her which siblings are gonna do like it's just gonna happen no matter what (laughs) but when I see that happen it's triggering that deep pain from my past in me where I wish that there would have been someone to stand up for me and when I felt helpless when I felt vulnerable and so it's finding those those places and then just healing them and, and reminding myself okay you're safe now you're strong you are the adult in this situation. You can regulate your emotions and just remind myself that everything I do, they're watching and, you know, kids become who we are, not what we say they should do or mm-hmm. act like they, they're watching us. They're born to near us. We're like gods to them. They love everything that they do. They want to, everything we do, they want to do everything we do. And, So just reminding myself in those moments, coming inward, like pausing, not reacting um, right away, because that's when we do things that we may not wish we would do. Uh, And of course, we're all imperfect. So it's going to just happen. Exactly. I mean, nobody's perfect. And I love what you said about claiming the fact that I'm an adult in this situation. Like I can look back at my life and And please know I have great parents, but just like all parents, like you said, um, you know, they might have engaged in behavior every so often that they might have thought like, ah, like I shouldn't have said that or done that in that way and reverted to more of their unhealed, you know, inner child wounds. And, you know, as a child on my end, I might have picked that behavior up and adopted some of those behaviors. And they are watching you. Kids are watching you and learning. Like they they don't have the ability to control their emotions. Right. And they're watching you mm-hmm. to learn how. Yeah. And so it's it's interesting. We 
definitely see a lot of, uh, you know, adults grow up with some of those childlike mentalities and just, mm -hmm. you can have compassion for that and say, well, maybe that's something that they didn't learn. Right. <laughs> you <yeah>. know, <laughs> that's so true. And I don't know, I, I could give another kind of example on the flip side, if you want, almost coming from the kid's perspective. Mm -hmm. um, so I just feel like this is a a good example of conscious parenting or some that can, you know, points our kids toward emotional regulation. So say that one of our kids is throwing a tantrum and, you know, this probably happens every day right now because they're three in one. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, and they just have, like you said, they have big emotions. And I feel like, you know, conscious living, conscious parenting, all these things, part of the conscious part is educating ourselves on all of these pieces. So educating ourselves on child brain development, what are they and aren't they capable of? Like what mm. is fair to expect of them and to not expect of them? And I, for me, that gives me so much more grace toward my kids when they're exploding and having all these big emotions because then I remind myself, oh wait, like this is all they can do right now. They, they are trying their best. Like even at their mm. worst, they're still trying their best. And so reminding myself of that. So a tantrum, a full on tantrum comes on and the bet, you know, a lot of us grew up in our generation, you know, being put on timeout or being spanked or being punished. Well, I'm going to take away this or that, or you can't go to Susie's house for the weekend or right. whatever the thing is, you know, that's kind of how our, our parents raised us, but, and it, that's a whole nother thing. That's not their fault. That's <laughs> right. They came from and that's, yeah, it's, that's it's what they always, were taught. Right. They were so, also doing their best. <laughs> right. They were doing their best. Exactly. And so, um, say one of them starting a big tantrum and then instead of doing any of those things, they've, you know, found now scientifically through research that the healthiest thing we can do for our kids in that moment is to literally be with them. Hmm. So don't walk away. Don't, you know, get mad or angry or frustrated, but literally just know they're doing the best they can and just accepting them and loving them in that moment and showing hmm. them real unconditional love. It doesn't matter to me if, you know, camper or Portland or, throwing their bodies on the floor and screaming and crying. And it's really tuning into that empathy in our hearts and thinking, oh, wow, like if I was you and I really wanted another cookie super bad and I couldn't have one, like I get it. I get it, camper. That Those cookies are so good. Like I would want another one too, but you're not going to be hungry later. So we'll let's have some tomorrow instead. And then he might just lose it, you know? And so just sitting there being with him and not leaving him in that moment just shows them that they're lovable even at their worst. Mm. So for a lot of us growing up, there was immediate separation when we weren't behaving right, when we weren't doing the right things, it was shame. It was very, you know, shame driven, which obviously now Brene Brown, everybody talks about that. It's just not healthy for anybody. Nothing good sure. comes with shame. Sure. So to be able to give our kids that confidence and knowing that no matter what they're doing, I mean, 
we still have to have boundaries. So if they're hitting, obviously we're stopping the hitting and saying, I can't let you hit me. So we're still holding those firm boundaries, but we're not leaving them and we're not You're helping them, them process. Exactly. We're not going to leave them alone in their emotion. And so that's co-regulation, which is, yeah, us helping them process their emotions. And so then the goal of that is that as they get older and come into adulthood, which our brains can't fully regulate emotions till our mid twenties mm-hmm. on their own. But once we like, once they get to that point, then they're so much more likely to be able to healthily express and connect with their emotions and know what they're feeling and know the root of it and why and how to cope with it mm-hmm. rather than, I mean, when I first started learning about all this consciousness, I was like, I don't know what I'm feeling. I don't know why I'm feeling it. It was such a big journey for me. It was like starting at zero and just learning my own emotions and body. So to be given that as a child, I just can't even imagine how helpful that is moving forward in life when you can name your emotions and can learn how to cope with them. Know what they are right away. And not having to go super deep in processing them, just being like, oh, I feel this because of this. And so, Alex, like this whole concept to me is so amazing in not only parenting, but just like all facets of life, you know, and it's just like really getting down to the core of why we feel certain things and why we process things the way that they are. That's that's literally eliminating like false belief. I mean, I I think about things that I grew up learning and things that made me super fearful in my adult life based off of things that I learned. This is, these are all learned behaviors, you know, And, and the thing that you're doing is, is kind of just doing it the right way, starting it from the ground up and not so that they don't have to go back in their life and just, and reprogram all of these things. And I think that is like so incredibly amazing. And you probably, relate to this and I probably relate to this too because there was something growing up that affected us really deeply to be like oh now I can see because this happened and was that your parents divorce for you yes I mean the divorce was definitely a big thing that I had a lot of healing to do from once I got away from Virginia and came to Nashville It was really interesting, actually, since I was the oldest sister, I just played the tough guy and kind of became the backbone for everyone. Mm -hmm. And then when I moved away, it's like all of a sudden the floodgates opened and I could mourn it myself. Mm. And it was actually really interesting because Spencer and I had met that first semester, my freshman year. And he was the one who said something to me about it. And he said, hey, like, I wonder if you've actually never really processed your parents' divorce. Mm, And when he said that, that. (laughs) oh, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I realized that I hadn't. And it was the weirdest thing. I went into this. I don't know if it was a depression or what it was, but It was a week of feeling like everything around me was dark. Literally the world felt dark and it was just a full week of it. And it was, I think it was me just fully letting that pain process 
and letting it in and living in it rather than running from it. Mm. And then it's once I got through that week, the light started coming in and I started feeling better. It was just that I needed to grieve and I needed to mourn the loss of my parents' relationship. And yeah, coming out the other side was well, really there's helpful. So, there's so many, back to that darkness for a second. Like I think of, there's so much that goes through a child's mind. I mean, my parents split too. And, you know, there was, there's a lot going on there. And I think of that darkness in general of like, the beliefs that creates in our in our minds mm -hmm. subconsciously you know right. whether we're taught these beliefs or not like just the things that form in your mind of worth and is this because of me those type of things that are so defining of in our experience and things that we carry forth in our adulthood so i can only imagine that darkness that you were feeling or probably not only mourning the loss but also kind of accepting these feelings and these beliefs that you probably came to know that, you know, are still in process of healing. Yes. Do you know sure. what I mean? It's almost like an acceptance of that darkness. Yes, totally. That, yeah, that's so true. Um, one of these, I love this quote. I actually was trying to look it up before we came on here because I don't know if it's actually by someone or not I couldn't find it so if it's not I'll claim it as my own okay yeah let's <laughs> claim it <laughs> um, I'm sure it's somewhere I don't know but it's it's a it says crying is the healing not the hurting and yes that release love that so much because yeah. I I feel like it helps us all give each other so much more grace and makes crying more acceptable I guess I don't know I, because I feel like in my generation or our parents generation it's weird to show your emotions or to show too much emotion but it helps me with myself to remind myself hey if you feel like you need to cry cry because that's going to help heal you and with my kids when they're crying reminding myself instead of trying to distract them like oh look at this Ooh, do you want this trying to help them stop crying I need to let them fully release or it's just going to mm. pull them into something bigger later. And That's so just huge. reminding myself that crying is the healing. Like I'm going to like fully ride this out with them. It's like a release of energy. It is. You know, it's, it yes. really, I can, I feel that. I mean, every time I cry and after I have a good, you know, 20 minute cry. I know that's long, whatever it happens. <laughs> I have a, this, you know, huge cry. I'm just like, I feel 10 pounds lighter right now yes, it's so it really is just like a huge relief and I could literally talk to you about this all day long and we could talk you know we could have a 20-hour podcast on this and we could go so deep but I have a couple of questions that I want to yeah. ask you before we wrap up and one of those is like how how have you gone about healing some of these things is it a process for you or is it just something that you acknowledge and do you ever find it easy to like revert back to some of these old things like if you're if camper is acting up or whatever and you do slip up and you you see yourself revert like or is that just part of the healing like how do you how do you go about all that 
Right. Does that make sense? Um, yes. So for me, healing has a big part of it is the self-awareness. So when an emotion comes up, acknowledging it in myself and treating myself with respect and kindness, mm-hmm. which for me is so was so foreign at first and so hard. But for example, Which probably stems back to that darkness. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And connected. So, yeah. So for example, like the, say the kids are taking forever to go to bed and that can be really hard as parents because the minute they're in bed is like finally you time. <laughs> like you right, have, right, right. You can sit down and you can relax and have your you time. And so one night, camper was taking forever. Sorry. I tell everything with stories. Sorry. I love that. But I'm visual. um, Yes. And so I felt up until that point, I was in a really great place. Like I was feeling like calm and patient and I felt like we were connected him and I, because, you know, the more connected we are with our kids or anyone, the more they're willing to cooperate. Mm. And so I was feeling really connected. But the second that I started getting frustrated that he was dragging his feet, he started moving even slower. And I was like, wow. okay. So I took a step back and I I just spoke to myself respectfully and kindly. And I was like, okay, you're feeling frustrated right now because the longer that he takes to go to bedtime, the more time it's taking away from your time. And I, un- that makes sense that you feel frustrated and that's okay. It's okay to feel frustrated right now. Um, but you know that that's going to just cause more disconnection between you and him, which is going to make it last even longer. Mm. And so I acknowledged my feeling. I acknowledged that it was there. And then I said, okay, well, what's the best way to move forward from here? And so then I you know, was able to, I guess, I don't know if it's calm my frustration or soothe it, or I, it's weird. It's because it's like, once I recognize an emotion being there and accept it, then it's gone almost. Wow. It's like, once I, I hear myself because that's my inner child. Like that's my inside of myself crying. Like, Hey, this is how I'm feeling. Like, what about me? And so then like, I acknowledge like, Hey, I feel that you're feeling this. Yeah, it makes sense. It's okay that you feel that way. I'm sorry that this is how the night's going, but this is just how it's going. And we know how to move forward best from here. Like what's going to create the best situation from here on out. So I just took a deep breath and then I let the frustration go and I got down to campers level and I made eye contact with them. And I was just like, Hey, I see you. I hear you. I love you let's do this together. Like, let's go brush your teeth. Let's whatever. And then boom, like from then on, like he was ready to cooperate because he could feel that I was there with him. I, I put aside my, whatever you want to call it, selfish feelings or whatever, rightfully. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I was feeling that way. Um, and then, you know, he just moved right along and we were able to connect and have a great night and he went to bed. And so, I feel like it's just, that's how I've been doing it. I don't know if it's right or wrong, but it's just kind of good to me. (laughs) It's just like recognizing any of those emotions as they come up. And then a lot of times I will revisit it later because a lot of times in the moment with the kids, I can't like have a deep 
like, okay, where does it stem from? Yeah. But sometimes later I'll go back and revisit that emotion and see if there's something from my past or a deeper experience that I had that's triggering that feeling. Yeah. Um, and then I'll work through it. And that for me, writing is a huge thing, like journaling. If I just write about a certain moment when I was triggered or what was going on, like then so much comes out. And like mm. a lot of times it can be a story from my past or a recent experience that I had or yeah, whatever it might be. So I hope that answered your question. <laughs> it does. And it just, I'm so inspired by you and the way that you are so self-aware. And I think that, you know, in all of our healing processes, whether you're a parent, whether you're not a parent, whether, you know, you've just had a lot of experience, like wherever you are in your life, like I feel like that first stage of healing is that self-awareness and being able to look inside yourself and really take a good hard look and say, wow, I've been through a lot and everything that I've been through is an amazing story and some of it was painful and some of it was beautiful, but a lot of this defined where I am now and I I have the conscious choice to heal that Mm -hmm. and 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 looking at you and watching how you're healing yourself you're healing your kids you know you're you're allowing them to live and be who they are Mm -hmm. which I can't even wait and I can't even imagine you know what they're going to be like as adults and what they're going to be like as parents and what they're going to go on and do with their lives because of the choice that you made to heal yourself um, and just make that space for yourself. So thank you so much for being here on this podcast today. And you like, you inspire me. You just are amazing. You inspire me. It's so (laughs) fun. And I truly believe like, like you just said, by all of us choosing to heal ourselves, we're healing the generations that are going to come after us. And which I believe can truly heal the world. Like if we're all, you know, choosing to find that consciousness. Oh, absolutely. And gosh, what an amazing conversation this has been. (laughs) And we're just going to go deeper next week as we are going to have Alex back with us again and we can continue to heal and grow together. So I hope that you can go throughout this week really aware of your inner child And start to lovingly reparent and repair some of those limiting beliefs that maybe you picked up along the way in your growth. So I'm excited to dive deeper and I really hope that you have an awesome week. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Love Freak Podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe. You can also follow me on Instagram at thelovefreak underscore. Don't forget that's F-R-E-Q. Or to find out more information, you can go to www.thelovefreak.me. Look for a new episode every Tuesday.